When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Wozner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Wozner. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 18 of The Back Check. Brendan, Stefan here. And Stefan, before we dive into some hockey talk, happy birthday, buddy. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I got, I got the best gift, not from you, from Matt Barzal, because Barzal did the unthinkable. First off, botting off wrist alignment was just beautiful in itself. And then the between the legs goal, you know, on Twitter, I tagged him and said, thanks for the birthday goal. I appreciate it. So he hasn't yeah, responded yet, but Didn't I, I felt it. Count. See, I think if you listen, it might get stopped. No, that was a gorgeous goal. We, we talked about it right away. That was that was absolutely filthy. I must fell off my chair at the restaurant. I was on like one of those big high um, stools, and I'm a short guy, so Uh-oh. yeah, a little too much uh, too much to drink during the Islanders game on your 23rd. You're Jordan here, buddy. It's That's had so bit. I know. Yeah, I can't play basketball for you know what. So can't play much hockey either. Yeah. Oof, oof. All Ooh, right, so we got to kick things off with. Someone who can play hockey but plays it a lot on the edge, and that's Tom Wilson. And that hit was yikes. <laughs> I mean, the primary point of contact was the head. Yeah, so I mean, I'm looking at Twitter, and I just, you're either the only way you support this hit is if you're a Capitals fan or you just want to take the other approach so you get attention. That's, that's the only thing I can look at because Friday night's hit is like seconds left in the first period. Tom Wilson knows what he's doing. Now, as the initial point of contact, the head. I think he skims the chest. But I'm looking at Tom Wilson's face. When he saw his head, you know, wide open, Tom Wilson's eyes lit up like he saw, I don't know, that was his goal. That was his target. And he just goes right into it, finishes the check. So now if you want to get to a technical, was it a penalty or is the rule book flawed, blah, blah, it's got to be a penalty. I know it wasn't 40. I just, there was so many things wrong with it. The hitch had never been laid. A good example, in yesterday's Islander game, Michael Dalcole came up neutral zone. And wrist alignment could have 
dismantled Delco. Probably not for now with the hit. But Rasan just brushes him off. Like, knocks him down, but not hard at all. He lays off. Which, respect to all other players on the Islanders might have rocked the other guy, whatever. But Tom Wilson never does that. He always goes to finish the check. And I appreciate that, you know, that effort. But he sent Brendan Carlo to the hospital. I mean, this was never a hit that should have been laid. The fact that there was no penalty called in the play is disgusting because, you know, again, they're reviewing it now and how, you know, how dirty was it? The clearly the NHL player safety, which rarely penalizes this guy for anything, gave him seven games, just one eighth of the season. So they saw something and he's not appealing. So I think that says a lot. Well, I think that it wasn't called live because live, it does look like he's just finishing a check on the four check. And for a ref, they're on the other side in that case. That's hard to see that the primary point of contact, there's the head. So I can understand there not being an initial call. And they got it right. I mean, seven games is 12% of the season. There's only 56 games. So that is a hefty, hefty suspension for Tom Wilson. And it's just a hit that can't be made. Like, like you said, there's a difference between finishing your check and playing on that line where it's hard. Like if Ristolan destroyed Dal Cole but did it clean, that's hockey, right? Oh, we're, head it would have been, been clean. We, we've seen Al Cole get lit up for keeping his head down before. Uh, example, Jacob Truba just crushing him. Was that hit dirty? We had talks about that. But that yeah. you look at the replay, that was the shoulder. It was just unfortunate because Al Cole's head was down. And it looked like a much worse hit than it was. So there's, there's always going to be head contact in hockey for two reasons. One, player size is different, right? Nobody's the same size, right? I mean, you look at somebody like Johnny Gaudreau who's going against Chara. Chara's shoulder can check him. It's not going to be able to hit Goudreau's shoulder unless he's playing knee hockey. Like It's just not physically possible. So you're going to have that contrast in size. And two, players keep their head down sometimes. If you're fishing for a puck in your skates and I'm a defensive and that's my cue to come in and just absolutely let you up. Truba, Dow Cole example, was one of them. Truba never went high. It just happened to graze the chest and head because Dow Cole was looking down. So that wasn't a dirty hit. That was a hockey hit. The Wilson one. He could have very easily pulled up and wrapped him up. He could have lowered his shoulder because Carlo was 6'3", 6'4". Carlo's not a small dude either. He raised and went straight towards his head, and that's unacceptable. And it's not even that. The initial going for the head is one thing. He finished the hit. Like, he put all of his weight and continued into his head. I just threw my pen because I'm so mad. No, but, I mean, it sucks for Carlo because this is a – Defense, uh, Boston Bruins, but young guys on defense. Carlos, again, one of those leaders, even though maybe last or a couple of years ago, he's not that go to guy. I mean, they lost so many players. Now to get him hurt is terrible. And any, any hit to the head, you know, he could come back this season, but in five or six years, you know, CT, all that kind of stuff. Look back, I mean, this Tom Wilson hit should never been laid. And like I said, the fact that he's not appealing it, I, I mean, Ovechkin even said that it was ridiculous that he got seven games. But I don't get how you could, and I get it, you're his teammate, you don't want to call him out, but I think there's, there's a time when the Capitals have to address this because yeah. I know technically he's not a repeat offender anymore because there's been too much time between his last contact. I forgot what it said. Like too many, too much, too many games have passed without another suspension. But the fact that he's done this before, maybe he's changed. You know, we've seen him become a goal scorer and he's limited the amount of big hits. But I mean, mm-hmm. early in the season, I saw him lay some, lay some question. It's always questionable with Tom Wilson. It's never, you know, it's always we have to dive into a deeper thing. You can never just lay a clean hit where people relax. It's always borderline. That's, that's what I'm saying. Even this year, he hasn't been suspended yet, but there's been a couple of instances where he's come pretty close. Like It was just, okay, we're going to let this one slide. And he has had a suspension in the past. That's why it's seven games, right? If this was his first suspension, it's not seven. He'll get two max, but it's not his first. And I look at somebody like Michael Sauer, Rangers defenseman, 
young up and coming, looked like he was going to be a solid middle pairing defensive defenseman, and he got rocked by Fanuf. And it was a it was a borderline hit, but it was clean. Like in the end, it's a clean hockey hit, and his head wound up hitting the dasher. He got concussed and never came back. Like he just always had those post concussion symptoms, and whenever it's to the head, uh, that's feared. And you got people that say hockey's getting soft, and I'm one of them. I think it is getting soft, but there's a difference between the sport getting soft and the sport taking away hits to the head because hits to the head have no place, right? I mean, it's not a legal check. You're supposed to go shoulder to shoulder, and if you're that much bigger, push with your hands to the chest. Uh, there's there's ways to check, and there's techniques that you could use that you could avoid the head, and it's got to start to happen with Tom Wilson. Yeah, I, I don't really want to give him more time than that. I just think that, again, we both love huge hockey. It's Dal Cole's hit, yeah, I'd probably flipped out of Trooper for, for hitting him high, which that's just me being biased because you look at the replay, it wasn't. It was a big hockey hit. Nicole's head was down. That's kind of his fault. But you look at a guy like Carlo who's playing his position and trying to get a loose puck. Next thing you know, right train Tom Wilson is just going right through his head. And it's just unfortunate. But before we get to some Ranger talk, do you see what Whitney said about the Islander fans? Trying to find it. Hold on. <laughs> I know exactly what you're about to read, too. Yeah, I got to find this because it's okay. <clears throat> this was during the Blackhawks game when I'm pretty sure they took a 3 nothing lead on Tampa. Blackhawk fans, I'm sorry. I don't want to battle with you. You aren't like scumbag Islander fans. I was wrong about your club. There's a first time for everything. Let's go, Hawks. I'm a Chicago guy. He forgot a comma or a period. You're still a turtle at ball, our bar stool WSD. Okay. So. First off, he jinxed the Blackhawks because Lightning came back and won 6-3. And Chicago's been a better team than expected. I don't know what this has to do with the Islanders. I don't know why we're bringing the Islander fans into the conversation. I think we own prime real estate in Whitney's head for whatever reason may be. I don't understand. But, yeah, his tweet jinxes the Blackhawks. They lose 6-3 and again. They probably should have won. Shows how good Tampa is. Yeah, Whitney, I don't, I don't know, what, I don't really know what the problem is. What you have with us was is it battling with Tavares years ago? Did he make your life miserable? I, I don't know what we did to the guy. It probably stems from when he played, but you guys are the most irrational fan base known to man. And but why, why are we in a conversation with the Blackhawks? He's got beef with you guys. He, I mean, I hear on the podcast, he always, yeah, he never talks about the Islanders. He doesn't want to like acknowledge them. First of all, the Islanders are a better team than Chicago. I by a, long, a landslide. I just don't know why you should keep his uh, Islanders team out of his mouth because I don't think they've done anything to him. Well, the Islanders are the best team in the NHL if they're playing the Sabres. Hey, good teams beat bad teams. Great teams, elite teams dominate bad teams. And that's what we've seen this, that's this past That's not weekend. the saying, Stefan. What? It's good teams win games. Bad, uh, Great teams cover. That's the saying. And that's what well, we guess what? The, the Islanders have covered the last three games. They do. Well, did you see the, the picture? With the Sabres, yes, game. yes, against how every, crazy is that? I said the hockey gods uh, have really been talking because that's just besides the Rangers, that's the only team. So they showed, I think, the it was the Islanders that beat the Sabres every time this past meeting. It was five two, five two, five two. Against the Rangers, it was three two, three two, and they won a game three two. And against the Flyers, they were shut out every single time three nothing. Yep. I mean, first off, Sabres are just downright terrible. Watching this weekend, the fact that okay, Taylor Hall got his second goal this season. How does he fall down on a breakaway? It was it was a long shift, but at the same time, Scott Mayfield shouldn't catch Taylor Hall on any given day, no matter how long they've been on the ice. But Taylor Hall looks terrible. He finally got a goal. He got his second in the season. Jeff Skinner got his first goal this season on a backhander that you know didn't well the positioning of the Islanders. Mayfield sort of got caught. Well, can I defend Skinner for one second? 
He had chance. Are you gonna say that he's had so many chances because he has? It, Skinner and Zabanajet are in that boat where they've had like the most expected goals for, and they just haven't been able to get bounces. Yeah, and there's there's a mental aspect to every sport, right? Oh, I think, yeah, completely. I think the most mental sport is baseball, but after baseball, hockey's got to be right there when you are shooting and you can't buy a goal. It's all mental, and he he's going to score more now. Now that he got that first, they're going to come. But you see how happy he was on the bench. I mean, I would be. You're making all this money, and you're just flat out embarrassing yourself. Every single game you're out there, yeah, I'd probably be smiling if I. I mean, you see the bench come alive; they all hug him and everything. Everybody went nuts like it was his you first NHL like goal. Yeah, it's like your boy that's been struggling, man. It's like when you made a, your first save in that game where the first nine shots went in. You, you remember <laughs> what I'm talking about? No, I got. I'm gonna go like on a short-term memory. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about the Islanders first, and then we got Vinny Parise coming on to talk Devils for a little bit. Uh, we'll have that on after Islanders talk, and then we'll finish up with some Rangers hockey. But for you Devils fans, this is our recorded show. Vinny Parise is making his weekly appearance. A busy week for the Jersey Devils and a busy week for the Islanders and Rangers as well. But I'll let you kick things off. Sorokin looked good again. And yeah, I mean, we're good. you know, yesterday Sorokin wasn't his best game. The two goals he allowed in were, eh, the one to Colin Miller was not good at all. He got sort of knuckle puck. He didn't glove it, but... He hasn't had to be amazing in his games. He's had just been good enough to win. And the fact that the Islanders are given a lead, I think he's 4-0 now when the Islanders give him a lead, which is great because you need to win games to get leads and you don't blow it. Sorokin hasn't blown a lead he's gotten all year, which is great. Again, it's coming against the Sabres three times, but he's still getting the job done. But you look at you look at the Islanders, they're 7-0-1 in their last eight games. They're 15-6-4 in the season. They're now in first place in the East Division. They have uh, 34 points on a two-point cushion on the Washington Capitals. They're 10-0-2 at home. They're the only team to not lose at home so far this season. And it's just been they have five players with nine goals or more. Anders Lee, six, six goals in six games against the Sabres. He looks like his old self, going to the front of the net, going to the dirty areas, winning puck battles. This is the Anders Lee we saw score 40. Yeah. Now, he's not going to score 40 this year, but he's, he's leading the team with goals. He's got 12 now. I mean, it's impressive. Brock Nelson's got three goals over his last two games. One of them an empty netter, but... Again, the Islanders haven't scored on the Anders, so that's one thing to be proud of. And we saw yesterday his release. He has the best release on the Islanders. Walshman's probably creeping up there, given what we've seen thus far. Brock Nelson just has to shoot the puck, and he shot the puck right away, and he's scoring goals. That's how you have to do it. Over this three-game um, stretch against the Sabres, they've allowed only 22 shots on goal. The defense has been phenomenal. And this week, they're 5-0-0, and they've outscored their opponents 19-7. So... You're just looking at this Islander team, and again, like you said, good teams win or whatever, and the great teams cover. But what you know, I was answering some questions on my latest Islanders mailbag, and some someone asked if have the Islanders peaked too early. We saw it last year, ten game point streak, um, ten game win streak, excuse me, seventeen game point streak. Yeah, and that was it. Fell off a cliff. Well, you look back, and okay, Pellet gets hurt, fourth line's not great, Islanders can't sc- score, confidence is an issue. Look at this year, and I, I'm saying I don't think they've peaked too early. I think this is what the Islanders look like when they're healthy and successful and, and, and a stride. They played the Sabres. Now, they played the, the Bruins on Tuesday. Now the question is, can they do this against the good teams in the division? Well, the Bruins, the Islanders are 3-0 against the Bruins this year. They're hot. They've handled, they've hot. They're hot. But I'm not yeah, saying... They, also play, they match up very well with the Bruins. Very well. This is why I'm saying this is not... They're not peaking too early. It's because they, it's not like they've just beat the Sabres on this stretch. They beat the Penguins, who aren't a great team, but they shut them out. 
they're they're not they're dominating these games. It's not like it's not like they are barely beating teams. You know, it might be five to in the score with an empty netter, but that one is a dominating pace of play throughout the entirety of the game. So to me, they're not they're not peaking too early. I think you're gonna get a consistent effort like this most nights for the rest of the season. Now, especially when you could have Varlamov resting and put Sorokin and have confidence to win. You know, when it was just Varlamov and maybe you had to work too hard, people were getting tired. Now that takes an effect on you. Can the team, you know, keep doing this if Varlamov's too tired, if the team's too tired? You saw the Islanders run a back-to-back, and they looked tired in the third period. They allowed two goals. But this, I don't think this Island team is peaking at all. I think this Island team is that good. Now the question is, can they continue to score four goals per game? Because that's what they've done so far this um, on this latest streak, and they're scoring four goals per game. Now, can they keep that up? Probably not. They got to find ways to win. That's what the Islanders have been doing. How many times have they played Buffalo this season already? They have played this Buffalo a, six six times in there. Six. They, now. they have right. Yes. Okay. So that right there is why yes they are peaking because now their games are going to get much harder. And you, say get, saying, you say get harder though, but again I look at to the Bruins. They have okay, but that's one one team stuff. Oh, exactly. But you're beating the worst team in the division, and you're also beating which was the best team. They're falling off a little bit. They've only played 22 games compared to the Islanders 25 and they're five points back. So they're on pace. Same oh yeah. I'm not saying, that's what I'm saying though. They beat teams like that. They beat, they're beating the good teams in the division also. I, it helps. Me, they the I, look, I think the Capitals are still the best team in that division. Okay. I, to me that they just match up well against everybody, but they will start to struggle without Tom Wilson in the lineup. I think that's actually a big loss because his presence on the ice makes people scared. Boston's still Boston. I mean, Philly's only played 22 games. So it, it's it's tough. I, I It's hard to say. The Islanders are a very good team. I'm, I can say that. The question is, they've played, I think it's like five of their last six or seven wins have been against either the Sabres or the Devils. The Devils are sputtering right now besides a one nothing win against the Bruins last night where Wedgwood looked fantastic. I'm sure Vinny will talk about that. But it's like Rangers fans who are getting optimistic about a three-game win streak. You beat the Devils twice and the Sabres once. That's what you have to do. Like You have to oh. beat the Penguins, and they couldn't. So nothing to be optimistic about if I'm being blunt about it. So it, you got to look at the Islanders and put it in perspective. The next week will be very indicative of – where they are. I looked around also at every division. Every top team in the division has dismantled the worst team in the division. Besides, the Maple Leafs are the only team to not have swept the, per- the team in last place. They're the only team in any division that leads that division to not have swept the worst team. They think if they're 3-1 and one or um, against the Senators. But to me, it's just, Islanders did what they had to do. They took care of business against bad teams. It's not their fault they played them eight times this season, but when you look at it, come playoff time, you're going to look back and see those games against the weaker teams and probably teams that are, are in the, in the playoffs are the ones that got the job done against the bad team. You've seen in the past where the Islanders play down to opponents. They might beat the Bruins and then lose to the Sabres. It was very easily. I've seen the Islanders dropping one of these games against the Sabres, just because given a bet, how hard it is to beat a team three times in a row. They did that. So to me, the Islanders are like, I'm not saying it's a quick road to the, to the Stanley cup finals because they beat the Sabres. But, you know, I look at this matchup against the Sabres and, it's more of a judgment on the Islanders where they stand rather than where the Sabres stand. Because like I said, good teams beat bad teams. Elite teams take care of business and dominate. And that's what the Islanders did. And I think they showcased where they are in, in the league. So they play Boston on Tuesday. Yes. 
Then they play three straight games against the Devils. Yeah. After that, they don't play the Devils or the Sabres again until the last week of the season. So you're going to have a stretch where the only teams you're playing are that top six. Yeah. And that, that is where we can see. No, I, can, I completely agree. But I'm saying, though, is, you know, like don't look at it. The Devils, before I let you finish, is Washington, Philly, 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 Boston, Boston, Pitt, Pitt, Washington, Philly. That's a tough stretch. It is a tough stretch, which is and why it's important that they get points the now. Team. Like exactly. It's hard to beat the same team three straight times. It's even yeah. harder to do it when the other team is not the Sabres. So, well, that that is when I will say that this is the best the Islanders can play. And if they continue to play this way, they will beat the, these teams. The question is, when the other team isn't giving them what the Sabres give them offensively, we've seen that they've had a tendency to struggle to score in the past. That hasn't been the case the last couple of games for them. Right? I mean, they thumped the Bruins. They've been thumping the Sabres. So can they keep that going against teams that are going to tighten it up? Because Boston is going to remember that 7-2 loss. And they're not going – they did it to the Rangers the next game. They, they're too prideful for that. And they just got shut out. So this is a very interesting game coming up. No, I'm excited to see what happens on Tuesday. I'm just trying to – pretty much just trying to say that every team in every division has to play bad teams on the schedule. The Islanders are taking advantage the same way other teams are taking advantage. And if you want to say that's peaking, go for it. Say they're peaking. This is the best they're going to play all year. But when you look back and see where they are in the standings coming into the season, you're going to look back and say they had to do this. If they didn't do this, where would they be? They would probably – you know, it's going to be so close stat-wise. Yes, they'll be in division now. But in a couple of weeks, they could be in third. They could be in fourth. And the season ends. If they're still playing pretty strong, you look back at this streak against the Sabres and you go, you know, any other season, they might have dropped one or two here. They got the job done. Now they're in the playoffs. So that's the what difference, I'm trying to say. The difference is every single team peaks throughout the course yeah. of the season. Oh, yeah. But the best teams, the teams that win the cup, they when they peak, that's the level they play at. They continue. Yeah. yeah. All I'm saying, okay, for Islanders fans that might hear me and go, he's a biased Rangers fan. All I'm saying is I want to see them be able to play the same way continuously against teams that are not the Sabres. And I don't think that's a rash thing for me to say. I would like to see the Rangers play the way they play against the Sabres and Devils, but against other teams. I can't get that wish because they're too young and too inconsistent. The Islanders are the exact opposite. I'm not calling them old. They're a veteran team. They have a veteran group of leaders. Okay, They have a very veteran head coach. Can they continue to play that way against that in that stretch of games where it's top team, top team, top team, top team? And yes, they're one of those top teams. So that's what I'm waiting to see. Yeah, I, yep, I, I agree with that statement. I again, hopefully against the Bruins, they continue where they, what they've been doing. They're three and zero and zero against them, coming off a seven two win against them the last time out, where they just made a lock look silly. I'm gonna guess Rascos after his shutout last night over the Devils. I think they're not gonna make that mistake again. You think you think Locke's gonna play it Tuesday? No, no, Rask didn't get a shutout. I mean the other way around. Exactly, he allowed yeah. one goal. Right, so I mean that lost my parlay for me, which kind of sucked. But anyway, I rest. Rest definitely is going to play against the Islanders. Um, you got to do what they've been doing. Again, it's been a major confidence booster. The all lines are rolling. They solidified their third line. The fourth line's got five goals in their last three games. So I mean, everybody's scoring. Everyone's contributing. They took care against a really bad Sabres team, and now one of the better teams they get to face at home ice. Can, can they continue that streak in Nassau Coliseum? We'll find out Tuesday. But let's let's move on to the Devils talk and welcome in Vinny Parise for his Parise's puck talk. 
Welcome back to Parisi's Puck Talk. Since losing to the Washington Capitals when we last spoke on Sunday in two straight games, we knew things weren't going to get much easier for the New Jersey Devils as they had the two New York teams in three straight games. Those three teams, they battle hard every time they play. It's never fun for your team when you're watching until you get the win. It's always difficult. It's always tough. It's always fast. It's always fun. The New York Islanders defeated the New Jersey Devils by a final score of 2-1 to one on Tuesday, followed by giving up six goals in back-to-back games to the New York Rangers on Thursday and Saturday, respectively. Each of those games was very tough on the Devils as it ended up leading to being on a five-game losing streak, something that just simply cannot happen if you want to be a playoff team. It makes the rest of the season extremely difficult for the Devils, especially knowing that most a majority of their games going forward are against teams that expect to win the Stanley Cup. So going into their Sunday matchup against the Boston Bruins, you knew things weren't going to be easy at all. And for some reason, going into the game on a five-game losing streak, the Devils had a bit of confidence as they are now two. They were two zero and one against the Boston Bruins going into the game. For some reason, you just have a team's number at a certain point of the season. That's the Devils against the Bruins. For whatever reason, the perfection line of Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, Brad Marchand. They don't succeed against the Devils for whatever reason. They get their chances, but they don't put the puck in the back of the net, and it just doesn't work out as well as you would think it does. So they ended up beating them by a final score of one nothing on the back of a Scott Wedgwood shutout. Mackenzie Blackwood kind of faltered a little bit so far this season. He was one of the best goalies in the league to start, so his save percentage is still like decent. It's over 900, which is above league average. So you got to believe that he'll get it back. The Devils don't play that well in front of him defensively. He'll figure it out. No worries about him. But Scott Wedgwood coming in and blanking the Bruins after, you know, a pretty good attack from on their part. It ended up working out, and the Devils win one nothing. So that ends a five-game losing streak and puts them to 3-0-1 against the Boston Bruins. For whatever reason, they have their number so far. It might not continue. We'll see. There's a lot of games left to go, but it's a good start to try and get this season back on track if you're the Devils. One thing that's going to be an issue towards that is the fact that Nico Heischer is out with an injury. He took a puck to the face off of a deflected slap shot from P.K. Subban, and he's going to be week to week. So we don't know exactly when we're going to get him back, but that's a tough loss because he's their best player all around. Not only is he their best player all around, you were able to see that he was having a hard time getting his feet under him at first. You know, he hadn't played in over 10 months. Well, he was just starting to get it back, scoring goals, creating plays, creating shots. It was tough to see because he was really starting to show that potential that we know he has. He'll be back. Nobody's worried about his long-term potential. He's going to help lead this team to a lot of winning. Him and Jack Hughes are going to form one of the best one-two punches down the the middle in the league. But as of right now, we just got to wait for him to get back and hope that his face is okay and he doesn't have a concussion. So going into the next couple games without him is going to be tough, especially when you look at the fact that it's the Washington Capitals on Tuesday again in Washington. Then they're headed to New York again to play the Islanders, and that's the first of three straight games against the New York Islanders. But the second two of the three-game series will be in Newark, so the Islanders are going to come to Prudential Center, where the Devils just really aren't good. Nobody's going to act like it's home ice advantage for them at any point right now because they're just better on the road. They're way over 500 on the road and way under 500 at home. So the hope is that those two games against the Islanders can sort of spark a little turnaround in the opposite direction for the Devils as they try to put some points on the board and get back in this race. Whether they're able to, we'll see. It's going to depend on Nico coming back healthy, Jack Hughes continuing his upward trajectory, and getting the goaltending back on track. Scott Wedgwood isn't going to blank a team like the Bruins every single day, so they got to figure that part out. All right. Well, Vinny, thank you very much for that. I really do appreciate you coming on the show. Always great insight from him. And that Wedgwood performance last night was absurd. I I was driving, so I didn't get to watch a lot of hockey. But I was looking at the scores, and 
I see one nothing, and I'm like, who played? Did Blackwood finally bounce back? And I'm like, Wedgwood, really? So credit to him. He's he's taken a backup role and kind of run with it. But not really. I'm going to challenge you on that because after playing against the Islanders uh, a couple of weeks ago where he won because uh, Blackwood was on uh, COVID list, he played in that one game and then hadn't won since. And then they got Dell. Well, the and Dell played haven't won since. Yeah, um, and Dell and Dell played against the Islanders last time and lost. So then Wedgwood's in. It's just I, I like Wedgwood. I like the effort. I just I don't know if he, he's taking the backup role by the backup role by storm, but I think if Dell struggles, he's going to get more more of an opportunity to play. And we saw last night like he's capable of playing well. That's a the Bruins didn't look good at all, by the way. I, their power play looked worse than the Islanders' power play on a bad day, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, and of course, you know we both. Bet the Bruins to win by two or whatever you bet. And I'm watching this game and the top time's trickling down in the third. I'm getting worried. And then I turn on my phone at the restaurant. I'm out to dinner for my birthday with my family. I'm like, I got to watch the last five minutes. And Tuka Rask can't handle a sharp angle shot. The puck just lays in front. Devil Zaka, I think it was, picked it up, scored. It's like, yep, it's over. Click, phone off. But the, the Devils are really, it's like a hit or miss team. They look so good some nights. They look bad other nights. They found a way to get it done last night, but then they'll play a team and get absolutely shellacked. Like their defense, worst defensive performance I've seen was them against the Rangers the other day. Yep. Yeah. Wedgwood's 2 3 and 1 with a 2 3 3 and a 9 2 3. Oh, yeah. He hasn't been bad, but they got Dell. They want Dell to play, but Dell didn't look great. So hopefully Wedgwood does get his chance. He's been a, been a journeyman as a backup in the minors. So hopefully he gets to stick with this team. Definitely. So before we wrap it up, we're going to talk about the Rangers. Obviously, they had a three-game win streak. Lafreniere has come alive and starting to look more productive, especially on the uh, offensive side of things. I think that he's been very good over the course of the season at getting chances, but now he's starting to finally capitalize, which is always great to see an absolute rocket of a shot. He said, Wallstrom, I'll take your shot, and I got to try to match it. You know, we, we got to go back and forth. But he looks okay, and I think the biggest thing that we could take away from a really bad, bad loss last night was that Zibanejad finally scored a Mika Zibanejad-like goal where he took it end-to-end on a 2-1-1, kind of waited out to Smith and went far down, and it was the most glimpse I've seen of Mika Zibanejad being his 2019-20 self all year. Uh, I mean, there was the only other glimpse I'd actually seen was the second game of the season when he stripped the puck from the Islanders, went in on the two one one, passed it yeah. over, and get led to the first goal of the season. That, that was, was the Kako, only right? Ones. As a pass uh, to Kako? Booch. Booch. Oh yes, yes, yes. I'm yeah. yeah. But uh outside of that, it's been relatively quiet. So to see him have that, hopefully he gets more confidence, can start to play well. Uh but really a game that if they won yesterday, they are two points out. Two points out. That's absurd. You heard Zabanajad say after the game, yeah, they asked him about his goal, like finally getting the monkey off his back, and he said it doesn't matter, so let's move on. It, it doesn't. He wants it to doesn't. Win. Oh yeah, I mean, I get that too. Like I would be probably the same way. You're gonna ask me what you know. I don't, the Rangers could he could have a hat trick and they lose five to three. Yep. Doesn't matter. Your hat trick didn't do anything. You maybe but knowing you know personal goals. You want to have personal goals. It's better to want to score. He probably feels better about his game. But at the same time, his goal didn't result in a win. So to him, that means absolutely nothing. Yeah, if, if they won that game, they're sitting at 25 points in 23 games. And the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are currently in that spot, it would have been the Flyers. But they have 27 points. They would have been two points back, have one game in hand on Pittsburgh. Uh, 
it, it was one of those games that if you are really trying to get into playoff contention, you have to win. You have to come out better. They started the wrong goaltender because Kincaid Curly. looked really good coming in. I love Kincaid. It's great to see that he's playing for the Rangers. I, I mean, you know what you have in Georgia. You know, you know, his stats last year weren't amazing. His stats this year weren't great. They've been better, but it's I, it's looking at he's just not he's not the go-to guy. And Shostakin being out hurts. He could have been out much longer. So let's thank God that he's not. He's only what he's going to miss a couple of games. He should be back yep. relatively soon. But you're you're realizing that this is no more splitting crap. Okay, this is a Ranger team that's on the brink of make of being in a playoff spot, like you said, a couple of points out. You can't. You got to ride the hot guy. Georgiev looked terrible. Does that mean now just can kid get the start next game? He probably deserves it. Will he get the start? I don't know. Quinn's been. Pro- I would say probably not. But for right now, Shosturkin's your guys. So when Shosturkin comes back and he's playing well, he better stay in the lineup. This is not a. It's one thing if the Rangers were behind the Sabers and there was zero chance of playoffs. Then you split. You keep both goalies sharp. You want to keep Shosturkin healthy, not overuse him like the Rangers were coming close to with Barlamov. But no, you're in the playoff hut. You put the best goal in that gives you the best chance to win, and that's clearly Igor Shosturkin. Even at not even 100% it's Igor Shosturkin. I don't think it's close. I have been a very big proponent of they should have moved Georgiev and gotten something in return because you can give me all the advanced stats that you want to give me about, oh, he saves this much above expected, and there's been this many chances. The guy's got a 303 goals against average and 897 save percentage. It just doesn't cut it. He can't stop a breakaway to save his life. Yeah, that's a problem. He's a very good backup goaltender who, before this season, teams viewed as somebody who could start, and they could have gotten a lot back for him. And you have Keith Kincaid, who you brought in, who's a veteran, more than capable of backing up. And if he didn't work, there was a slew of veteran goaltenders who could also get signed, play minimal games, and be a backup goalie and a mentor to Shesterkin. And they didn't go that route. Granted, it depends how long Shesterkin winds up being out because it's always good to have a young goalie who can play. But I put my take on Twitter yesterday. I think that if you're, if Shesterkin is not ready to go, Kincaid has to get the next start. He's playing like he has something to prove. He looked good. He wound up giving up two goals late in the third. Uh, the second one that he gave up was really odd. The first one was a one-timer by Evgeny Malkin. Backdoor. Can't stop that. Um, yeah. The Rangers defense fell asleep for the majority of that game. But – Give him that start. Same team, Penguins team. Let him go back out. But your give is he, he's a career three goals against average. It just doesn't cut it. And I was, you know, I, I, I went back and watched the goals he allowed. And really the defense played well in front of him. He just didn't make that save. Like that's well, the first one. Pff, terrible. Terrible, but it's one thing when you get like let's let's look back to the Islanders Bruins uh, a year or two ago. They Islanders won seven two. Halak didn't play great. But the defense in front of Halak was terrible. That they lose that game regardless. It's probably not seven two. But you look at the Rangers. Play good yesterday. They didn't play good, but you didn't get that big save. No, they they needed a big save. Yeah, they didn't if get he, that. If he stops the first goal, right? If, yeah. if Marino's shot from the wall doesn't go in on the power play. Yeah, that's a much different game. Oh, that's, that's, that's a moralizing goal, and it led to two more. They get, he had a breakaway goal after that, which, okay, I'll give you something. Captain scored. Yes. Sure, yeah. it's a breakaway. The next one was Crosby. Crosby had a rolling puck, and Georgiev slid too far to the right and exposed the hole of the side of the net. Like, when you have a player like Crosby, it doesn't matter if that puck's rolling. It doesn't matter where he is. You have to be square because he can still go to either side. 
And it was the same thing with the Marino shot. Sure, there was a layers of people in front of him. But when you look at the shot, he has a sight line of the puck, and he's just sliding to the short side, and it leaves the whole entire far side wide open. And the puck goes in, and he goes, stop sliding. Stay he's square. He's overthinking. Just stay square. It, it, you can't have that. If you want to make the playoffs, you can't have that in this type of game. And that's where missing Shesterkin hurts because Shesterkin only overplayed one puck this season and wound up going in. He hasn't done it since. And yet fans love Georgiev. I, he could, greatest person, seems like a nice guy. Nice I, left hook. Nice left hook. I just, he's not good. Like, I'm so, sorry. He's not a good goaltender at this level. He's a backup goaltender. So do you think that when Kincaid came into the hockey game, that Rangers tightened up defensively? Or do you no, think it was just, he didn't. just played better? He just, he just made the saves. He made a couple of phenomenal saves. Yeah, he did. Phenomenal. If he, he made a breakaway he, save. He made a one-timer save with a blocker. Check, check. I mean, I'm looking. I'm pulling it up right now. He stopped 16 to 18. You give stopped three to six. Oh, 16 of 18 sounds like a Sorokin game. It's it, just not good. But he, but like you just said, so you said Yurgiev get up uh, allowed a breakaway goal and a one-timer goal back door that he had no chance on. Fine. You just told me Kincaid stopped the breakaway and stopped a one-timer. Which is why he started the wrong goaltender. But I, I'm not going to blame Quinn for that because Kincaid oh, no, has a game in forever. Exactly. You have to I, trust Yurgiev gets the job done. He just did it. I mean, it, it's just... It's demoralizing. He didn't play good against the Devils either. Like they they shellac the Devils, but the third goal he gave up to Bashan. I mean, it was a straight shot, and he just opened up his arm and trickled through him. He is a very good backup goaltender, never going to be a starter. And to me, they they just completely diminish his trade value because teams are going to see it now. Yeah, I mean, think about it too. If they move him last year, like you said, there are so many players, goalies they could have got in this. Offseason. And again, you have Shesterkin. You don't need a Mark Andre Fleury as a backup. Now, I'm not saying Craig Anderson is the answer or a Jimmy Howard, but look at it. You don't. You didn't need a superstar. You're gonna if you let's say you brought in Craig Anderson. You're riding Shesterkin, and Craig Anderson's there for a week when he needs a day off, especially in a 56 game season. Season, I think Shesterkin can handle a workload like Vasilevsky can. I really think he can. You know, don't pull your groin and do stuff like that, but. There's no reason Shesterkin can't play the majority of games this season. Now you look at Varlamov, and he's an older goalie. So having Sorokin is good because he takes the workload off. But Shesterkin's young enough where – and he, I feel like Shesterkin plays better when he plays more. We saw that last year. We saw that last year. So to me, why you go into the season thinking we're going to do splits, tandems. Tandems are for teams that have goalies that need rest now and then. Like, again, Islanders. Varlamov cannot play 56 games. He will tire out, and he will allow weak goals, and he won't play his best game. Sorokin's there. He's going to get a little bit more than he did in the first half or in the beginning of the season and play more down the stretch. But I, it's just, Georgiev, this is Georgiev's chance to prove something, and he's failing. And he's not helping the Rangers with trade value. He's not helping his chances of playing more and more, especially if the Rangers find a way to creep closer and stay this close to a playoff spot. How can you run a guy out there that's allowing three goals per game and not, not even that? You need timely saves. This league is all about making the save in the big way. It doesn't matter if the game's six five with a minute left. You make a one timer save with seconds left to give your team the win. Disregard the amount of goals you allowed in that game or the weak ones you allowed in that game. You got the win. You got the job done. Like I said, Srogan hasn't been great the last this last game, but he played well enough to get the win. And looking back, you're not going to look at his stats in that game. You look back that he got the W and got the two points. 
this has been the best collective defense Gerard Gibbs had in front of him his whole career. And he has an 897 save percentage. His worst by far. His lowest before this was a 910. But his lowest goals against average was a 291. So even his first year, he went 9-4-4. Four, and four. He kind of ran with a little bit of a, a backup role, came in. Lundqvist was struggling, whatever. Still had a 315 goals against average, even though he had a 918 save percentage. He's, he will make some crazy saves. He will win a game. He made, I think it was a 52 saves on his birthday in Toronto. And yes. since then, everyone thinks that that's Gior Gift. No, that's a, that's a flash version of him that we saw maybe twice throughout his whole career. He's had, I think, three or four games where he has stolen the game, played out of his mind, and the rest of it is just complete mediocrity. And it, there is not one team that is looking at him right now and saying he's a starting goaltender, and yet the Rangers had him splitting games with Chester. Like, it, it just, it, that's the stuff that when Rangers fans say fire Quinn, it's why, right? Quinn has done a very good job at keeping a very young team within reach. And you don't have Panarin. Sabanajit hasn't scored, right? And yet they're still within reach. But why on earth when you have Shesterkin, who clearly, clearly is a, a top flight goaltender in this league, right? He's struggled in the beginning of the portion of the season, and his numbers are still top 10. Why is he not starting every game? Like I said, you hope he comes back and he's healthy because now this is back to back years with injuries. Last year, obviously not his fault. Car accident, that's tough again out of, out of his control but you just need him to be healthy and if he comes back and he, he shows in the first couple of games that he's lights out and he's good gotta ride him Quinn you, ha- you have no choice unless you don't want to win if you want to just continue to do this rebuild crap and not escape it then yeah do, do the tandem and you know see what you got kick you or you have to bounce back but no the hunt's on you're a borderline playoff team if the offense if his bandage starts scoring Panarin comes back the defense stays the same and Shesterkin is killing it there's no reason the Rangers can't get into the number four spot. There's no reason. But the problem is timely saves. And if Georgiev is going to play and he doesn't play well, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. When you when you look back and say, well, I could have started to strike and we just didn't. Correct. Correct. Well, this was another good episode. I think yeah. that Wednesday will be a fun show, especially for those who are Rangers fans, because we're going to be announcing something that I think might – you know, tickle your insides a little bit. I mean, even uh, if you're a hockey fan, it's a, it's a cool thing we are going to announce, you know, just appreciating the sport, the game, rivalries aside. Definitely. Definitely. So thanks for watching. Check back in with us on Wednesday, and we will see you then. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.